Victory Lap, written by Dick Puncher 420, read by Meisinger. Summary. And then the countries start filing out onto the stage, one by one. And then it's their turn to step out of the tunnel, into the heart of the national stadium, into the blinding lights and the deafening cheers and the music that pounds into every bone in his body. And then it finally hits him. He's here. Saka is 22 years old when he qualifies for the Olympics. Part 1 The important thing in life is not the triumph, but the fight. The essential thing is not to have won, but to have fought well. Hockey player. Hmm, okay. How about that guy? Oh, speed skater for sure. Look at the size of his thighs. Sokka laughs. Okay, yeah, that one was too easy. How about her? Katara tilts her head contemplatively and narrows her eyes at the French woman sitting a few tables away from them. Hmm, I don't know. Ski jumping, maybe? Sokka hums. Could be. She's pretty skinny. Not that I know anything about ski jumping, though. Trying to guess someone's sport based on their body type. It's a game that he and Katara play almost every time they come to the dining hall. It's a fun way to pass the time, and a welcome distraction from the nerves that have been simmering just beneath the surface ever since he first arrived in Beijing. It's still the week before the beginning of the games, and the reality of the situation has yet to sink in completely. Even with the months of preparation and training that have led up to this moment, even though he is literally currently sitting in the infamous Olympic Village dining hall, Sokka still feels a little bit like he's in a fever dream. He worries that if he thinks about it too hard, it might all just disappear. He finds that ogling his fellow athletes makes everything more bearable, though. Nothing like staring at the most objectively attractive people on the entire planet to bring you back down to Earth. They can go at it for hours, if they want to. There's definitely no shortage of eye candy to go around. Okay, uh, look at her, Katara says, pointing at a woman with the Norwegian flag embroidered on her hoodie. Sokka considers her for a moment. Hmm... I'd say biathlon. Look at her arms. Katara nods in agreement, her fork tapping idly against the table as she surveys the room once more. Sokka casts around the massive dining hall, too, trying to find someone interesting. There are always some athletes whose sports are pretty easy to guess. The speed skaters, of course, and the hockey players are a very different kind of big. And he wants to keep the game challenging. Sokka's gaze finally lands on a guy with long black hair, wearing a very snug-fitting Team USA track jacket, and his breath catches in his throat. Because hot damn, that is one beautiful man. 
even with the scar that stretches across the left side of his face. And that's saying a lot, because they're at the Olympics, where everyone is beautiful by virtue of being in peak physical condition. But this guy manages to blow the rest of them out of the water. He looks like a god. Shit, look at that guy, Sokka breathes. He can't stop staring at how tightly the jacket is stretched across his broad shoulders, the way his long hair spills messily across his perfect face. What do you think? Bobsled? Hockey player? Hockey seems unlikely, given that Sokka has done extensive reconnaissance on each and every player on the American hockey team, and there's no way that he missed this guy. Not with a face like that. But damn, the guy is built. Katara turns in her seat to follow his line of sight, and Sokka watches her eyes go wide as she sucks in a sharp breath. She whips back around and leans in towards Sokka, hunching over their trays of food on the table. Sokka, don't you know who that is? She hisses. Sokka frowns at her. What? No? Should I? That's Zuko Nakayama. At Sokka's blank look, she lets out an exasperated sigh. You know the figure skater? He and his sister are, like, super famous. Sokka glances back toward the guy, Zuko Nakayama, apparently, and finally notices the woman sitting next to him. She has the same black hair, the same sharp, elegant features, that same aura of untouchable beauty. His sister, he assumes. But I thought figure skaters were all, like, super skinny, Sokka says. You know, so they can twirl around the ice all daintily. He can't contain the disdain that creeps into his voice. A figure skater? Really? He couldn't have picked someone better to drool over? Just goes to show how much you know about figure skating, Katara says wryly. You know I don't care about that dumb shit, Sokka says, rolling his eyes. It's barely even a real sport. Whatever you say, tough guy. Sokka turns back towards his food wrenching his gaze away from Nakayama and his sister, and takes a huge bite of steak. Okay, moving on. Don't talk with your mouth full, that's disgusting. Sokka flips her off as he scans the dining hall again, searching for their next target. Annoyingly, his gaze keeps sliding back over to Nakayama against his own will, and he mentally smacks himself. Gorgeous, though he may be, Sokka doesn't need to be wasting his brain power ogling a goddamn figure skater. Okay, um, Sokka chews his lips, trying to find someone interesting. German guy, over near the coffee machines. Katara cranes her head around to look, and at that exact moment, someone appears over her shoulder with a sudden and chipper, Hi! Katara jumps and yelps in surprise, jarring the table with her knee and making their trays rattle dangerously.
Sorry, the guy says, one hand raised in apology, the other still clutching his tray of food. He looks to be about 18 or 19 years old, with his hair buzzed close to his head. I didn't mean to scare you. I just... You're Katara Kinalik, right? And Sokka Kinalik? Um, yes, Katara says. She exchanges a look with Sokka, seeming both pleased and baffled at having been recognized. It's not like either of them are very well-known, after all. Sweet! The guy slides into the seat next to Katara, and Sokka raises an eyebrow at his forwardness. I'm Angyatso. I do freestyle skiing! He holds out a hand, all bright-eyed enthusiasm, and Katara tentatively shakes it. Katara, I snowboard, although you, uh, probably already knew that. She tilts her head and gives him a quizzical look. I think I've heard about you. You're competing independently, right? Yep, that's me. Aang straightens a little in his seat, his chest puffed up with pride. And now that Katara's brought that up, Sokka recognizes him too. Aren't you Canadian, though? Why compete independently? Oh, that's easy, Aang says breezily. I was born in Tibet, so I thought it'd be nice to represent my heritage, but competing for China was out of the question, so here I am, representing my people by competing independently. He pulls open the collar of his track jacket to show them a small Tibetan flag sewn into the inner label. See? Katara sits back, looking faintly impressed. Huh. That's really cool, actually. Right? Aang bounces a little bit in his seat. It reminds Sokka of an overly excitable puppy. Man, it's so cool to meet you guys. He turns to Katara. I saw you compete at the X Games last year. You were amazing. Katara blushes a little at the praise, and Sokka watches as she tucks a non-existent piece of hair behind her ear. It's one of her biggest tells for when she's trying to flirt with someone, and something that Sokka has teased her mercilessly about in the past. Thank you, she says, ducking her head and smiling. And Sokka decides at that moment to tune them out, He's not really in the mood to sit through his sister's awful attempts at flirting. He chews absentmindedly at his food as he surveys the enormous dining hall, the steady din of conversation filling the air. He busies himself with trying to scope out the hottest people he can find and rating them on how feasible sleeping with them might be, with one being absolutely never going to happen and ten being totally achievable. Though the amount of people that end up being in the lower digits is kind of disheartening. He deliberately does not look in Nakayama's direction. Nakayama is a solid so fucking far out of his league that he's in the goddamn stratosphere, so Sokka doesn't even bother. His eyes land on a woman wearing a Team USA tank top. Her eyes lit up in a smile as she laughs along with the others at her table. She is spectacularly hot. Sokka appreciatively eyes the definition of her bare arms, the visible strength in her slender frame. 
She seems friendly, if a little intimidating. A solid seven, Sokka thinks. He makes a mental note to look her up later. There's a sudden commotion on the far side of the dining hall. Heads turn all around him to watch the two men who have clambered onto a table, wearing nothing but their underwear and business ties around their necks, and begun to hand-feed each other bites of food. People all around them erupt into cheers and wolf whistles, egging them on. Sokka raises his eyebrows and turns back towards Katara, biting back a grin at her openly scandalized expression. You know, you hear stories, but I didn't think it would actually be like this, Aang says as he chews thoughtfully on a piece of tofu, eyes trained on the spectacle before them. Just then, someone playfully slaps the ass of one of the men on the table. The resounding smack carries over the crush of voices, and Sokka can't hold back his grin any longer. Maybe everything is finally starting to sink in. He feels suddenly giddy, like he can barely sit still, spurred on by the frenzy of activity around them. Excitement zinging through his veins like an electric current, he spreads his arms wide and crows. Welcome to the Olympics, baby! Early morning practices are a very specific brand of torture, Sokka thinks. He pushes open the dressing room door, hockey bag slung over one shoulder and his hair still wet and dripping onto his shirt, and shuffles his way down the hall towards the lobby. It hadn't even been a particularly hard practice. Coach doesn't want to push them too hard before their actual games, but his knee is aching and he's still feeling kind of jet-lagged and all he wants to do is collapse onto his shitty little twin bed and sleep for the next 12 hours. Something makes him pause, though, right before he steps through the sliding doors and into the cold air outside. He frowns, straining all his senses, until... Is that... music? Now that Sokka has managed to identify it, he can't not hear it. It's still faint, but it's definitely there, and if he really strains his ears, he can even manage to make out a faint melody. But why would there be music playing in the training rinks? Oh. Sokka had known, on some level, that the training hall housed the practice rinks for both the hockey teams and the figure skaters, but somehow he had never really had to confront that fact until now. Curiosity overtakes him, and he drops his bag and sticks to the ground, cocking his head as he follows the music down another hallway, away from the hockey rink. How he had never managed to notice this hallway before now is a mystery, although it might have something to do with the fact that all their practices so far have been in the mornings, and Sokka is not a functional human being before noon. The music grows louder as he goes, a sweeping orchestral piece that drifts through the air and sends shivers down his spine. Sokka pauses outside the doors to the figure skating rink. The windows in the doors are too narrow to see through properly, and he hesitates with his fingers resting lightly on the handle. 
he probably shouldn't be here. He doesn't even know why he's here. It's not like he cares about figure skating. He should probably get back to the rest of the team before the bus leaves without him. But it couldn't hurt to just take a peek, right? Curiosity wins out again. Stealing himself, Sokka turns the handle as quietly as possible, which is probably unnecessary, since the music is loud enough that it drowns out almost every other sound. He glances around before edging his way inside, carefully easing the door shut behind him. He sticks close to the wall of the tunnel as he tiptoes his way toward the ice. He's still not convinced that he's not trespassing, and he doesn't want to get caught. There's the sharp scratch of skates against ice. A moment later, two bodies fly past where he's lurking near the boards, in perfect synchronization. Sokka flinches back, his eyes widening, and he swears that he stops breathing as he recognizes the skaters. It's Nakayama. Well, Nakayama and his sister— so, the Nakayamas, technically. The two of them glide across the ice, weaving around each other in a complicated series of steps. Suddenly, the brother, Zuko, Sokka thinks his name is, grabs his sister by the waist and, before Sokka can even really process what's happening, launches her into the air as she spins and spins before landing back down on one skate. Sokka gapes. Impressed, despite himself. What the shit was that? The music cuts off all of a sudden, and the siblings instantly freeze, skidding to a stop. Sokka stiffens, too, his pulse thumping nervously. Has he been caught? But no, there's nobody around him, and the Nakayamas aren't even looking in his direction. Your landing was sloppy, Azula. A stern voice barks out. Sokka can't see where it's coming from, but he assumes it's their coach, standing somewhere along the boards. It's not my fault, the sister, Azula, whines. Zuko threw me wrong. It's a miracle that I even managed to get all the rotations in. I threw you perfectly, Zuko retorts. Sokka finds himself captivated by the raspy timbre of his voice. It's not my fault if you can't stick the landing properly. I don't care whose fault it is, the voice snaps, and the two of them immediately straighten. Do it again, and do it perfectly. Yes, yes sir. sir, they say in unison, bowing their heads. When Zuko raises his head again, his gaze darts over the tunnel where Sokka is hiding, and their eyes lock for a split second. Zuko's eyes widen, and Sokka curses under his breath and scrambles backwards, his heart hammering in his throat. He fumbles for the door and slams it open, uncaring about the amount of noise he's making, and nearly sprints back towards the lobby. He hears the music start up again behind him as he runs, and breathes a sigh of relief. At least, nobody is trying to follow him. Some of his teammates are still loitering about in the lobby when Sokka runs in, and a few of them break off from their conversations to give him weird looks. 
Whoa, 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 where's the fire, K-Dog? Conway says with a chuckle. What? Sokka skids to a stop. Oh, uh, nowhere. I was just, uh, worried that you were gonna leave without me. He runs a hand through his hair, aiming for casual, and then makes a face when he realizes that it's still wet from his shower. Nah, we're waiting on Peterson. Conway shakes his head exasperatedly. You know how he is, forever the last to leave. Sokka tries to act nonchalant as he walks over to his bag and hoists it over his shoulder. His sticks clattering together when he picks them up feels like the loudest sound in the world. Is, uh, the bus outside? Conway nods, and Sokka makes his way out through the sliding doors. The cool air outside is a soothing balm against his burning skin. He loads his bag and sticks into the bottom of the coach bus and then climbs aboard, falling into his seat with an exhausted thump. He immediately leans his head against the window and closes his eyes, hoping to get a quick nap before they arrive back at the village. He's on the verge of dozing off when, unbidden, an image flashes through his mind. A pair of stunning golden eyes, widening in shock as they stare back into Sokka's. But then, it's gone as quickly as it came, and sleep is pulling him under before he can think of anything else. Outside of training, Sokka likes to spend his free time in one of three places. The dining hall, his room, and the lounges. The lounges, despite how crowdy and noisy they tend to be, are a favorite of his, because they're where he gets the best Wi-Fi. It's in one of these lounges that he finds himself now, sunk into a couch watching his old NHL highlight reels on his phone. Katara has only just gotten back from the ski hill for a day of practice runs, and he's waiting for her to shower so they can head down to dinner together. The lounge is definitely not the best environment for anyone who wants to focus and get any real work done. It's always full of chatter, and there are people constantly walking in and out, and the clacking and shouting that comes from the foosball table in the corner is nothing short of distracting. But Sokka enjoys the atmosphere. He likes being around people, and everyone is generally pretty friendly, even if they don't all speak the same language. It's not a bad place to try and chat up the occasional pretty stranger, either. Speaking of pretty strangers, the door swings open once again, and Sokka glances up from a clip of a truly beautiful wrist shot, one that flew right over the goalie's shoulder and into the top right corner and nearly drops his phone. It's the gorgeous woman from the dining hall, the one with the amazing arms. She's wearing a tank top again, though this one is definitely more tight-fitting than the last one, and the word USA stretches across her chest in large white letters. Sokka, with considerable effort, snaps his mouth shut, and then double-checks to make sure that he's not actually drooling. He actually had ended up looking her up, 
One night when he was curled up in bed and cursing the spotty internet connection in his room, Sukiho, 22 years old, Korean-American, biathlon. There had been a picture of her at last year's biathlon World Cup Championships, beaming at the camera with a silver medal held up next to her face. It had been a nice picture. She's ridiculously photogenic, as it turns out, but it doesn't even begin to compare to how she looks in person. She glances around the room, looking a bit unsure of herself. It is pretty crowded, and all the seats have already been taken, and Sokka scrambles to make room on the couch before she can turn around and leave. He catches her eye and waves. Hey, you can sit over here if you want. She shoots him a grateful smile and makes her way over, sinking down next to him on the couch. Sokka gets a whiff of... What is that? Pine? God. Thanks, she says. I'm supposed to be meeting a friend here, but I didn't realize this was such a hot spot. Sokka chuckles. Yeah, this is definitely not the lounge you go to if you want peace and quiet. It's the only one with a foosball table, so... She grins at him, and Sokka feels a weird flutter in his gut. I'm Suki, she says, holding out her hand. I do biathlon. Sokka shakes it. Her grip is sure and strong. Sokka, I play hockey. Ah, a hockey boy. I should have guessed. Sokka snorts out a laugh. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing bad, she says, smiling. Just, you're tall, cute, strong. Though, I'm impressed that you still have all your teeth. She tilts her head to the side, eyes sparkling, and, oh, God, she's flirting with him, isn't she? This is already going so much better than Sokka expected. Excuse me, I take my dental hygiene very seriously, Sokka says. A mouth guard is a small price to pay for keeping these pearly whites intact. Very responsible of you, Suki says. Wouldn't want anything messing up that pretty little face of yours. Sokka blushes despite himself. He's never really been called things like pretty or cute before, but he thinks he likes it. He settles himself more comfortably against the couch, trying to be casual as he slings an arm over the back. Suki raises an eyebrow, but turns to mirror him, bringing one leg up to tuck her foot under her thigh, her knee pressing into Sokka's leg. It sends a thrill of excitement through him. You know, you're not so bad yourself, Sokka says. Wow, such a charmer, Suki giggles. I bet you have all the girls throwing themselves at you with lines like that. Sokka flushes in embarrassment, and he grins sheepishly. What can I say? I get a little tongue-tied around pretty people. And you're the prettiest person I've seen so far. Not true, a little voice inside his head says, an image of bright golden eyes flashing through his mind. Sokka quickly shoves it down. Suki ducks her head as she smiles, her cheeks glowing pink. 
It's such a distracting sight that Sokka doesn't even notice the person that suddenly appeared next to them until they clear their throat loudly. Sokka startles and looks up into the eyes of a slim girl wearing a South Korea track jacket. She smiles politely at him and then turns towards Suki, her expression immediately softening into something warmer. Tai Lee! Suki exclaims. Sokka glances over and finds her face splitting into a delighted smile. Took you long enough? Did you get lost or something? Tai Lee giggles and says something that Sokka doesn't understand, and then drops down into Suki's lap, wrapping her arms around her neck. Suki's arms immediately come up around Tai Lee's waist, and she leans in to murmur something into the other woman's ear. Sokka feels strangely, suddenly invisible. Well, looks like Sokka's too late. It's obvious from the familiar way that the two of them interact with each other that they're... involved somehow. Of course, fooling around with multiple people isn't uncommon at the games. Everyone has heard the stories about the crazy orgies, but... Sokka isn't sure that he'd be comfortable intruding on whatever it is the two of them have going on. Sure, Sokka's had his fair share of threesomes, and Suki had definitely seemed interested in him, but something tells him that he'd most likely end up as an unintentional third wheel. Better to cut his losses now and try somewhere else. Oh! Suki says, and turns towards Sokka, as if she's suddenly remembered that he's there. Tai Lee, this is Sokka. He plays hockey. Sokka, Tai Lee. Nice to meet you, Tai Lee says in accented English. She grins at him, and Sokka smiles politely back. You too. Tai Lee leans back in to whisper something into Suki's ear her eyes darting up to Sokka every so often. Then, the two of them burst into merry giggles, and Sokka blushes, feeling confused and a little left out. Did she say something about me? He asks. She says you're very cute, Suki says with a knowing smile, and Sokka gets the feeling that that's definitely not all Tai Lee said. His face burns. He's spared from any further humiliation by Katara, who walks through the door at that moment, dressed in a loose Team Canada t-shirt, her wet hair hanging down her back. Sokka immediately waves her over. Hey, she says. Her eyes dart over to Suki and Tai Lee canoodling next to Sokka on the couch, and she gives Sokka a significant look. Making friends? Yeah, sort of, Sokka says. Um, this is Suki and Tai Lee. Guys, meet my sister, Katara. Hi, Katara says and waves. Suki and Tai Lee wave back. An awkward silence stretches between them all. Right, Sokka coughs. Um, me and Katara were gonna head down to the dining hall, so I guess we'll, uh go. 
He heaves himself to his feet and goes to follow Katara out of the room, but something makes him pause before he can get too far. He turns back towards Suki and Tylee, who are both watching him with matching, disappointed looks on their faces. Sokka's stomach twists. Even if he has no chance with Suki, she was still a lot of fun to talk to. And it would be nice to have someone to hang out with besides his sister and his teammates. Um, he says before he can lose his nerve. Do you two want to come eat dinner with us? There's always plenty of room at our table. Suki and Tylee exchange a quick glance. Then, the two of them are eagerly climbing to their feet. Sure! The dining hall is crowded by the time they get there. It is the dinner rush, after all. But it's pretty easy to find Aang, with the way he's waving and hollering at them from a table on the far side of the room. Hey, sorry for keeping you waiting, Sokka says as he slides into a seat across from him. Katara takes fucking forever to shower. But look, we brought some friends. No worries, Aang chirps. And I hope you don't mind that I brought a friend too. There's a girl sitting next to Aang, a white cane propped up against the table next to her. This is Toph, and uh, she's not technically supposed to be in here, so let's maybe keep that a secret between us. If anyone asks, I'm his bodyguard, Toph says with a mischievous grin. No, she's not, Aang says firmly. They take another minute to get the rest of the introductions out of the way, and then they all split off in different directions to get food. Sokka loads his plate with as much meat as he can manage. Hey, he's a professional athlete. He needs protein. Stops by the coffee machines for a self-indulgent hot chocolate, and heads back to their table. On his way there, he spots a familiar head of long, black hair and nearly trips over his own feet. It's only thanks to his lightning-fast reflexes, honed by years of intense physical training, that he manages to not completely embarrass himself by spilling his entire tray on the floor. He quickly recovers and ducks his head, shuffling past Nakayama's table as quickly and inconspicuously as possible which isn't an easy feat since he's over six feet tall, but he manages. It helps that someone has started very loudly and very badly singing what sounds like the French national anthem on the other side of the room, which is what's occupying most people's attention at the moment. Thank God for dining hall shenanigans. Sokka finally slides back into his seat with a relieved sigh. Katara gives him a weird look, but he waves her off, and she raises an eyebrow, but goes back to picking at her fried rice. The others begin to trickle back towards their table, and conversation flows easily. Aang is so outgoing and friendly that there's no room for awkwardness, and he has Suki and Tylee laughing within minutes at some outrageous story about the lemurs at the Toronto Zoo. Sokka finds Toph wildly entertaining. She's brash and unapologetic, and best of all, gets on Katara's nerves. And the two of them spend a good ten minutes discussing the merits of actual meat over protein powder. 
periodically against his better judgment, Sokka finds his eyes drawn back towards Nakayama's table. Nakayama doesn't catch him looking, thank fuck, but Sokka can't help but wonder what might happen if he did. Would he recognize him, or would he just brush Sokka off as another insignificant nobody, starstruck by Nakayama's reputation and beauty? In the end, Sokka never gets to find out, because the next time he looks over, Nakayama's table is empty. For some reason, he feels disappointed, which is ridiculous, because it's not like he cares about the guy or anything. He's just vaguely curious. Whatever. Sokka turns back to his table, where Aang is using his chopsticks to do a goofy impression of a walrus, and very deliberately does not let himself think about Nakayama for the rest of the night. The opening ceremony isn't anything new to Sokka. He's very familiar with the theatrics, the artistry, the spectacle of it all. He's watched the opening ceremony of every Olympic Games on television since he was two years old. Heck, his dad had even bought them tickets to the opening ceremony of the 2010 Olympic Games back in Vancouver, and the second the Canadian team stepped onto the stage, Sokka had screamed his little lungs hoarse until he thought he would faint. Despite all of that, he is still wholly unprepared for the actual experience of being a part of the ceremony itself. It's honestly a bit underwhelming, in the beginning. They spend over an hour backstage waiting for their turn to parade across the stage of the National Stadium. Sokka can hear the roar of the crowd, the muffled thumping of music, and he's kind of bummed that they can't go out to see it all in person. He and Katara huddle around a live broadcast of the ceremony that he's pulled up on his phone, but it's not the same. And then, the countries start filing out onto the stage, one by one. And then it's their turn to step out of the tunnel into the heart of the national stadium, into the blinding lights and the deafening cheers and the music that pounds into every bone in his body. And then it finally hits him. He's here. His name is Sokka Kanalik. He is 22 years old. He's a hockey player. And against all odds, he's made it to the Olympics. It's all so overwhelming that he thinks he might pass out. Katara's hand on his elbow grounds him, though, and he steps out onto the stage with his heart in his throat and a brilliant smile on his face. His dad and Bato are out there in the crowd, somewhere. He can't see them, but he whoops and waves as hard as he can, hoping they'll manage to spot him among the rest of the athletes, at least. Katara pulls out her phone and takes a very shaky video of the two of them as they strut proudly across the floor of the national stadium. Sokka's arm is starting to ache with the amount of waving he's doing. He can't remember the last time he smiled this hard. They only get about a minute of glory before they have to head backstage again but it manages to feel like both the shortest and longest minute of Sokka's entire life. His heart is racing, pumping him full of adrenaline, and even after they've exited through the tunnel that leads them backstage 
he still feels like he's flying on top of the world. Katara crashes suddenly into his arms, her hair spilling out of her toque and into his mouth. Sokka laughs breathlessly and squeezes her tight, lifting her a few inches off the ground and shaking her back and forth. "'We made it, Sokka!' she yells. All around them, their fellow athletes are laughing and jostling each other, caught up in the excitement of the moment. "'Can you believe it? We actually made it to the Olympics!' It's been an uphill battle to get here, certainly, full of blood and sweat and tears, and the hardest is still yet to come. But this is already farther than Sokka ever thought he'd make it. So he thinks that, at the very least, he can let himself have this moment. It's not like he's ever going to get another one, after all. Hey, Katara says. Are you free? Sokka glances away from his phone and towards the door to his room, where Katara is standing with one hip braced against the frame. Uh, how did you get in here? A magician never reveals their secrets. Sokka snorts. You're hardly a magician. Okay, fine. Your roommate left the door open. Sokka drops his head back against his pillow with a groan. Ugh, fucking Jason. I keep telling him not to do that. Sounds like a jerk. Katara steps into the room and drops onto Sokka's bed, just barely missing his feet. So, are you free? Yeah, coach gave us the day off today. Why? Dad and Bato and I were going to go watch the figure skating competitions today. You should come. I take that back, Sokka says. He unlocks his phone and begins to scroll aimlessly through his Twitter feed once again. I'm not free. Sokka, Katara whines, you can't just stay in your room scrolling through your phone all day. Sure I can. Watch me. You're insufferable. Katara crosses her arms and frowns at him. Sokka frowns right back. Why can't you come? Dad and Bato want to see you. Katara, you know I don't care about figure skating. It's stupid and boring. This isn't about figure skating, Sokka. It's about spending time with your family during one of the most important competitions of your entire life. Come on! She grabs him by the arm and tries to pull him off the bed. But Sokka doesn't budge. I'm just tired, Katara. Sokka says, and feigns a yawn that Katara very obviously does not buy. Just go without me. Katara watches him for a moment, considering. I'll get you McDonald's if you come. Sokka lowers his phone and gives her an incredulous look. Seriously? You know the line is always, like, an hour long. I know, she says lightly. So... You coming? Fuck, I guess so, Sokka says, hopping to his feet. Just give me a second to get dressed. There's a shuttle that runs between the Olympic Village and all the main venues. Hakoda and Bato are waiting for them outside of the Capitol indoor stadium when the shuttle pulls up, and Sokka stumbles off of the bus and directly into the waiting arms of his father. 
He's taller than Hakoda now. Has been for a while, so it requires a bit of finagling, but a warm hug from Hakoda never fails to make Sokka feel like he's a little kid again, safe and warm in his father's embrace. Hey, kiddo, Hakoda says warmly, his voice muffled against the shoulder of Sokka's puffer jacket. Hey, Dad. Sokka turns and trades places with Katara, wrapping Bato up in a big hug as well. Hey, Bato. It's good to see you guys. How are you? We're great. We've been doing a lot of sightseeing since the opening ceremony. Bato made us an itinerary and everything. Hakoda laughs. What about you two? Holding up okay? You nervous for your first competition tomorrow, Katara? A little bit, Katara says. It'll probably all really hit me in the morning, though. They keep up a steady stream of conversation as they approach the stadium, catching each other up on the things they've been doing since their separate arrivals in Beijing. There's a long line of people waiting outside the entrance of the stadium, but they cut around to the side towards a smaller entrance that's reserved for staff and the press. Are you sure we're allowed to go in through here? Bato says, frowning. We have tickets. We can just go through the main entrance. It's fine. Don't worry about it, Sokka says. He pulls his tournament lanyard out from beneath his coat and flashes it at the security guard, standing near the door, who lets them pass without a word. The stands are halfway to full when they make it inside, but given the amount of people still waiting in line outside, it looks like it's bound to be a full house. Which is crazy, because as far as Sokka knows, this isn't even a final or anything. Do people really care this much about figure skating? Saga says as they push their way through the crowd of people milling about. There's a stand near the front entrance selling flowers for some insane reason, which only serves to reinforce the idea that figure skating is a shallow, nonsensical sport in Saga's mind. You don't see people selling flowers at hockey games, after all. Katara just rolls her eyes at him. And you wonder why people call hockey players meatheads. Katara leads the way over to the designated seating area for spectating athletes, and they manage to find seats easily enough. Bato is a little disappointed that they aren't sitting in their reserved seats, but Hakoda pointedly reminds him that this is less about the actual figure skating and more about spending time together as a family. Sokka immediately slumps down into his seat and pulls out his phone to scroll half-heartedly through Twitter. They have another 20 minutes before the actual competition starts, and he is seriously regretting not having brought his earbuds with him. There's a post from the official Olympics Twitter account, something about congratulating the winners of yesterday's first biathlon race, that he likes without a second thought. It takes him another couple of seconds before he realizes that one of the women in the picture is Suki. Well, shit. He'll have to congratulate her later. He hasn't seen her in a couple days, but they've been Snapchatting here and there, and he thinks that by now they're probably at the point where they can call each other friends. Maybe. He hopes. He's startled out of his mindless scrolling by a sudden and deafening fanfare of music, and Katara laughs at the way he jumps in his seat. A voice begins to blare through the speakers, speaking first in French, then English, then Mandarin. 
There's a lengthy introduction speech that Sokka doesn't bother following, then something about sponsors, and then they're announcing the first skaters, a pair from Russia, to raucous applause. Sokka crosses his arms and tries not to look too much like he would rather be literally anywhere else. He's flanked on either side by Hakoda and Katara, both of whom look completely enthralled by the two skaters gliding out onto the ice, so trying to sneak out isn't an option. Sokka sadly resigns himself to sitting through what will probably be the most boring two hours of his life. Then, the music starts up. Some melancholy instrumental piece, and Sokka reconsiders slightly. Maybe he'll just be able to sleep through the most boring two hours of his life. For all that he's been on skates for most of his life, Sokka really, truly, does not understand the appeal of figure skating. Sure, it's nice to watch, in the same way that a painting is nice to look at, but where's the excitement, the adrenaline, the blood, sweat, and tears? Skaters don't even look human, all done up like pretty porcelain dolls, without even a single bead of sweat to mar their perfect faces. Sokka wouldn't be surprised if there's someone backstage whose job it is to sprinkle on any last-minute sparkles before they skate onto the ice. He dozes off somewhere between the third and fourth performance. The music is just so soothing. And all the routines look kind of the same, anyways. A round of raucous applause abruptly jolts Sokka out of his sleep, and he glances around, bleary-eyed. It seems like every single person in the stadium, regardless of nationality, is cheering as they welcome the duo that's just stepped out onto the ice. Sokka squints, trying to discern who the skaters are. He can't see much from this distance, only the black and red of their outfits and their matching black hair. Wait. Representing the United States of America! booms the announcer, Azula Nakayama and Zuko Nakayama. Oh, God. Sokka shifts slightly in his seat, trying to get a better view. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees Katara give him a knowing look, which he dutifully ignores. It's not that he's interested in the performance or anything. He just thinks that maybe he should probably pay a little more attention to the skaters who are so obviously the crowd favorite. It has to be for a reason, right? The Nakayamas take their place, and then the music begins to play, and Sokka notices right off the bat that there's something different about them. Something that distinguishes them from all the other skaters that had come before them. The music might have something to do with it, it's certainly a change of pace from everything else, loud and dramatic and exciting. But Sokka gets the feeling that it's not just that. There's something else, even if he can't quite put his finger on it. Whatever it is, it's definitely managed to catch Sokka's attention. For some reason, he can't make himself look away. The two of them fly across the ice like they were born for it, perfectly in sync. Sokka didn't even know that it was possible for two human beings to move together like that. At one point, 
Zuko picks his sister up and launches her so high into the air that Sokka finds himself holding his breath without even realizing it, and he only lets it out once Azula is safely back on the ice, twirling around as if she hadn't just been one wrong move away from breaking every single bone in her body. The two of them are gorgeous, that's for sure, but Sokka finds his eyes drawn to Zuko almost against his will. There's just something about him. The confidence of his movements, the effortless grace with which he glides across the ice, the obvious strength contained in his muscular frame, that Sokka finds himself inexplicably drawn to. It's like he has something that everybody else has been missing. Some sort of fire that lights him up from the inside. It's there in Azula, too. Sokka can see it. The two of them are so alive, so full of energy, sparking like a lit fuse. They're incandescent, brilliant as two twin burning suns. But there's something else, too. Something almost volatile. Sokka thinks he understands why these two are so popular now. The music fades out, and Zuko and Azula come to a stop in the center of the ice, their chests heaving. As the entire stadium erupts into thunderous applause, Sokka sits back on his seat, stunned, and thinks that maybe, just maybe, he might have to reconsider his stance on figure skating. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm doing this in three parts just because it's a little long and I don't want to have like a three hour episode, both for my computer's sake while editing and for your listening sake. I want to just thank you for listening, obviously, and I also want to thank DickPuncher420 for letting me record this. I know I asked a long time ago if I could, but you know, tis the season now, so we're getting back to it. If you liked this, please leave a comment or kudos on the AO3, and I will also link you to Dick Puncher's um, AO3 link so you can go leave a comment or kudos on her fic. I'm sure she'd really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a lovely evening or morning or day, and I appreciate you. Stay safe out there. Goodbye!